How do, how do you deal with uncertainty in your life? So for me, I hate it. I want, I, I want to plan everything. I want everything to be predictable, concrete, tied up with a bow, no uncertainty. Uh, when things are uncertain in my life, I worry. I get anxious. I lose sleep over things. I also try to trust God, and I, I pray about these things. Uh, but as, as much as I trust, I still plenty to worry about. been a bit of uncertainty in the, in the life of our church. We had a couple of uh, open staff positions, and that creates uncertainty. And uh, the, the two positions that left, I actually liked both those people. They were really talented. They were great teammates. I did not want them to leave. Um, and so, uh, but we're happy where God has led them, but it does create uh, some uncertainty. What if we don't find the right people? What if this goes on for a long, long time and, and the, all the uncertainty? And, and our volunteers are amazing. And uh, we've been, you know, people have been filling in and working hard. And um, so that's been fantastic. And even the, uh, it was a few weeks ago. So there was these, some of these young folks who were, they were practicing music uh, for a retreat they were going on. And I said, Mandy, sign them up for Sunday morning. We're, you know, because we continue to fill in. You guys are awesome. I love it. And some of our regular volunteers uh, love you guys. Praise God for you. Yeah. But it's hard. It creates, you know, it creates uncertainty, extra work. Um, but praise God. So we've, uh, we've filled both positions. Uh, so we have, uh, just on Monday, this past Monday, um, Devin Sutton, who's actually in the room. I, I, do you wave? Okay, you can wave. Devin started. There she is. Okay, so Devin. So behind the scenes, uh, so our communications position, this is our our web, our graphics, our print and email communications and all the different ways that we communicate with each other and to our community is, goes through that position and we needed somebody with very special skills. And Devin actually grew up in the church through some of her teen years and so we, you may know her as Devin Yassi. I know her as Devin Sutton and uh, I, was, I was there. I was there at your wedding. <laughs> I was very close to all the action. So it was... Um, so we're, we're, we're pumped, and we've, and we've also filled the, the music position, so we're going to make an announcement, I think, this week. So I can't, I'm not going to say it out loud today, but we've got, um, we've got good things in store. So this is praise God. So now, you know what that means for me? I've got new things to worry about. <laughs> More things, other uncertain things. Praise God that he provided, and he continues to provide, and over and over again, he just pours out his blessing and provision, and then yet I find... New things to worry about. We got this great big project next door, our new property, the building. Actually, the property part, going great. The land, we're going to re-landscape that, fix our traffic, make it safer, make it nicer for outdoor gatherings. We've got the funding in place. It's just ready to break ground and, you know, maybe this fall, maybe and push it into the spring. But, you know, it's all planned and ready to go. That building, no, I lose sleep over that, right? So... We, we didn't realize at first kind of the extent of the repairs. We didn't realize that we wouldn't be able to kind of go one apartment at a time. We had to gut the whole building, which means we had to vacate the building, which means we don't have income from those, those units. And you now we're trying to figure out how to fund that. And I lose sleep over this stuff. Um, and, we, you know, we're looking into options. And, and again, God will provide for us. But it's just when something's not certain or I don't fully understand it, I just, I get, you know, I get anxious. Maybe, maybe I'm alone in that, but maybe you, you share that. So, My point in sharing that is 
God calls us to a faith where we, he's calling us to, a, God calls us to a faith where we don't have all the answers. Um, there's, there, I am confident in my faith in Jesus Christ, but there are things that I cannot explain to you. And are you okay with that? But your pastor cannot explain aspects, major aspects of, of our faith to you. I can't stand here and do that. Are you okay with that? How do you live with the uncertainties of our faith? Um, that we, we are confident that God has given us what we need and more than we need and all that we need, and yet uh, God doesn't always give us every single answer in the timing that we wanted as we live out our faith. And so we believe God is just higher than we are. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And, and he calls us to trust him. And we do believe he is in control. And yet there is mystery in our faith. Today, as we look at John chapter 9, two major mysteries of our faith are going to come right at us in this. And I want to look at these two mysteries as we consider this amazing text where uh, Jesus encounters a man who was born blind and gives him, gives him sight, restores his sight. And so let us, uh, let us, let us pray as we, be, as we begin. So Father, as we turn to your word, really we turn to you. We pray that you would teach us. We thank you for how much you have revealed to us of yourself and of your kingdom and of, of your grace. And we receive that by faith. And yet so many things we don't understand, Lord. So um, we sit here humbly just asking you uh, to give us, to increase our faith and to show us how to follow you in the midst of that. We give you this time now and we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. All right, the first great mystery we encounter here is the mystery of suffering. In this case, blindness. Uh, but we'll just call it the mystery of suffering. So verse 1 says, as, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This is a very natural question of faith. Why, God, why is there suffering? And particularly this man, he's blind. That's a terrible form of suffering. Now, what sin was involved? Was, was he somehow to be a sinful person, or were his parents sinful in their life that this suffering is happening? And behind their question is this thought that we can control suffering in the world. So if we know what sin caused that, then we can avoid that kind of sin so that I don't get this kind of suffering in my life. And there's sort of uh, this desire to understand it so that we can control it. And notice Jesus' response. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus said this isn't about a specific sin, not a one-for-one. One. Now, we do believe, uh, and Scripture would teach, that all, all suffering and illness and death and all these things we experience in this life are because of sin. It's because human, humans have gone away from God's will and have gone our own way, and it has disordered our world, and that all sin and suffering is a result of sin. But on a, that's on a uh, general level, but on an individual level, we can't, one for one say this particular sin, sin led to this particular type of suffering. And this creates for us this great mystery of our faith. So, so what do we do? What do we do with that? Because we can't, we can't avoid it or fix it. And then Jesus goes ahead and heals this man, but other times, and we've seen people pray for healing and, and be healed, and we praise God for it every time. And sometimes we pray for healing and we don't see it. What do we do with that? Well, we continue to pray. 
We continue to pray for healing in our lives and the lives of people we love because we know that God's heart is generally to heal, that God loves to bring healing. But whenever God does that, whenever God is at work sort of in our physical healing in, in these ways, it's always pointing to something greater. Here in this case, he's, Jesus is saying this is happening so that the works of God might be displayed or made manifest. It's, it's pointing to the way that God's work. And I believe that we are, uh, we are at a place where we are going to see healing and miracles happen. And I, and I say that, and I'm, I, I, it's a sense that I have. It's kind of a gut sense. But in other ways, I'm seeing faith in our community grow and deepen and get wider, and people are coming to faith, and people are getting serious about their faith, and I think we're going to see beautiful things that are going to flow from that. Uh, but I always want us to be a community that looks beyond just the healing to the healer. That we don't just seek God for the blessings that we receive, but we, we seek to know and experience the one who brings the blessing, the God of the universe. And so Jesus takes this question about this man's suffering, and he turns it around. So this blind guy, who we don't even, this no-name blind guy, is a theological problem for the disciples. And he's a theological problem for us, too, right? Because we don't know why he's suffering. And what does Jesus do? He, he says, no, this isn't, he sees a man who needs healing, and he sees an opportunity to bring glory to God and make known God's way. And so wherever you're at with things that you want healing for, those you love, know that you're not just a theological problem, that God loves you, that God knows what you need, and that God's way and God's kingdom can be shown through your life, regardless of your suffering. So Three things here that Jesus shows in a very quick, uh, in a very quick way, in, in a simple healing, not so simple, I guess, because it had never been done before. But three things that we see about his kingdom. Uh, the first is that Jesus is bringing light into darkness. And again, this is a theme of John's gospel as he's telling the story of Jesus. It's a theme of God's work, that God is a God who brings light into dark places. Remember, in John chapter 1 talked about uh, light shining into darkness. And you go all the way to the beginning of the Bible, Right from the beginning, you've got this uh, creation that's dark, and God speaks, and there's light, and that's how. And then God continues to form and to fill His creation uh, perfectly. And then in chapter eight of John's Gospel, just a chapter before this, John eight twelve says, "Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life.'" And again, here in verse 5, he again says, I am the light of the world, that Jesus is coming into a dark world to bring light. And here he shows that, literally this man blind, and he brings sight, he brings light to the blind eyes. So we see that, uh, that Jesus brings light into the darkness. The second thing we see is that Jesus is the creator God, but also the recreator God. So he, to heal this man, he spits into the dirt and makes mud and puts it on the man's eyes. This is the only time Jesus has done that. Another time he did spit on his hands and, and touch someone in their head and, and they could hear. And then other times he spoke and people were healed. Other times there was a touch involved in a healing. What in the world he spits on the ground and makes the mud? Well, what are we supposed to see here? I mean... When you see Jesus using the dirt of the earth to restore creation, we remember that God created human life out of the dust of the earth, that we are dust. 
But God formed beautiful life out of the dust of the earth. And here, Jesus using dirt to create or to recreate, to restore that which was broken. And we see this beautiful image that Jesus is the creator God and the recreator God. Uh, Again, back in John chapter 1, the the introduction to this whole story of Jesus' life. John said, through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Made. Jesus is this word made flesh, Jesus coming to this world. The creator comes into the world to recreate it into back into its original beauty. And this is a beautiful act of recreation. And again, the, the word here where Jesus spits and he makes this little mud, it's the same word that could be translated clay, which reminds us of, of this beautiful image of God as the great potter. And we are made of clay. Isaiah 64.7 says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hands. And then Isaiah 29.16 says, Shall we, shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, You did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, You know nothing. This is a powerful statement. It's a reminder as Jesus heals this man with putting mud or clay on his eyes that you know, when we think about the mystery of suffering and why some people suffer and why some people suffer so much, that God has a purpose, that God is the one who forms, and that really, who are we, you know, who are we to even question this? And yet God is revealing himself through all these things. The third part of God's kingdom work that's revealed here is that God is ascending God. So in verse 7, so Go, Jesus told the man, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word, John, the gospel writer, goes out of his way to remind us means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. That, and Jesus has just said in verse 4 that, you, that the Father has sent him. So the Father has sent the Son into the world to show his kingdom, and then those who experience the kingdom then for example, this man who is healed goes to a pool called Sent, and then he goes and he starts to proclaim a truth about Jesus, that Jesus is indeed from God, and he's bold in his testimony. The one who encounters the kingdom of God becomes the one who is then sent to testify to that truth. And, and, and this man has such a simple testimony, but it's so bold that the way that God's kingdom works is that he brings light into darkness that he's recreating, and that we are part of it, that he's using us to be. And Jesus said in John chapter 20, he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you, that we are a people sent into this world. So as we consider the mystery of suffering and the fact that this man is healed and the fact that other people perhaps aren't healed, we, we can know that we can still live out the purposes of God's kingdom in our day, regardless of what we experience because our God is always at work. It's the mystery of suffering. The second great mystery of the faith, I'll call it the mystery of faith. The second mystery we face here is the mystery of faith. So where we see this is uh, we, get the, we have the blind man. He's, he's talking about this man who healed him, that he must be from God. Because of his boldness, he gets thrown, the, the religious leaders throw him out of the synagogue. And Jesus goes and finds this man, and we see we have this beautiful interaction. 
uh, verse 35. Let me read these verses again. So Jesus heard that they had thrown him out of the synagogue, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. It's the first time in Scripture we see somebody worshiping Jesus. Again, Jesus initiates. He goes to find this man. This man was cast out of his faith community. Jesus goes to find him, to draw him in. And he asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, Son of Man, as a phrase in Scripture, can just mean human. A Son of Man is just a person, just a human person. And the fact that Jesus is, you know, a Son of Man is profound. That the God of the universe gives up his glory to take on human flesh and human frailty and to, to come and to serve and to give his life. And it's just a profound, that's a, a profound mystery that, that God takes on human flesh. And we celebrate that in the season of Advent and, of course, at Christmas, the coming of, of Jesus into this world uh, as a son of man. But he says, you believe in the son of man. And when it's used in sort of this technical sense, it, it, it looks back to a promise through the prophet Daniel, chapter 7, which talks about this Son of man, who is a supernatural son of man, so not just human, but a supernatural human who would come and who would have authority and glory and sovereign power and worthy of worship and dominion and this eternal kingdom. And Jesus says to this man, Do you believe in the Son of man? And he said, Yes, tell me who it is. And he says, It's me. You're talking to him right now. And the man says, Lord, I believe. And he worships Jesus, that when we believe, when we come to faith, when we see Jesus for who he really is, the the outflow of that is a life of worship. He's to be worshipped, he's to be trusted, he is Lord. So now this man who had been blind, and now he can see, he was, now he's gone from blindness, spiritually speaking, to being able to see everything as in the truth of it. But here's the mystery of faith is that other people don't believe. That's why I call this the mystery of faith. If people encounter Jesus, they can either worship him or they can reject him. Some say, oh, he's God. He must be from God. Others say, no, he's, the, he's from the devil. Some people want to crown him as a king. Others want to kill him on a cross. This is the mystery of faith. And, and Jesus, this is how Jesus describes it here in verse 39. He says, for judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And some of the Pharisees who are with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Which is one of the saddest verses in Scripture because they were blind. Were we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim to see, your guilt remains. And that's very Jesus-y language. that only those who realize their weakness can embrace the strength of God. Only those who admit that they are blind can truly see. It's only those who um, realize that they are sinners will be forgiven of their sin. If you stand in your own strength, you will fall. 
If you trust in your own understanding and your own ability to perceive, you will be deceived. And if you think you are righteous, then you stand condemned before the Lord. And instead of confessing their sin and recognizing Jesus's, who, he, who Jesus was, they, they call Jesus the sinner. They reject him. They do not celebrate with this man who's experienced this beautiful healing and, this, uh, and a life that's come alive to faith. And the mystery of our faith is that some people believe and some do not. And we want to know, Lord, who, how, how can we have someone believe and, and someone not? We, I want to understand how this works. And we know that God, in so many ways, God initiates. God comes to this world. Here, Jesus goes and finds this man who he had previously healed. You know, God pursuing people that, that nobody, comes to, nobody comes to faith in Jesus unless the Father draws them. That's what Jesus said, and we know that's true. We know that it doesn't depend on us, that it really does depend on him, that it is his work, not our work. And we know that, and we've experienced that in our lives. Uh, but, but how does it work? Does, does God pursuing me, does that obliterate my, sort of my so-called free will? You know, that I'm choosing to respond in faith, or is God drawing me? And, and again, in the next five minutes, I'm not going to untangle, you know, God's sovereignty versus our human free will. But um, just like the disciples, though, we want to know how to make it work. We want to know who's, whose fault is it, just like they say, whose fault is it that this man is, is blind? We want to know, you know, God, whose fault is it if somebody doesn't come to faith? Is it their fault? Is it your fault? Is it my, how can we do this? Because we want people to have faith. I know it's, it's, I have faith, but why not other people? Why not people I love? Not everybody has this spiritual sight. Some people remain blind. Not, Jesus said, not every seed of God's word that goes out grows into a, a fruitful plant. Sometimes it just gets eaten up. I don't know. I, it's a miracle. It, it's a mystery. What? And we ask, you know, why, God, why don't you, why don't you save others? But like, God, why did you even save me? Why did you even open my heart to faith? The fact that that God would even save one person who's rebelled against Him is is a miracle in itself. How did it come to be, Lord? Uh, here's what I do know: with the mystery of what I call the mystery of faith, is that we need to put our faith in God. That we need to repent. We need to turn from our way and turn towards God's way and put our faith in him and accept this gift of grace that he offers to people. And that's a miracle that God would, would save us in that way. And the other thing I would say is do not stop praying for your loved ones. Because God desires, God's heart is to save. I can't even tell you how many people I've talked to, and, and parents especially, Who's, uh, who, who love Jesus and, and who put their faith in him, but their children do not, particularly adult children, even children who were raised in the church, children who were raised in this church, who had all the benefit of being taught God's word, who had all the benefit of the love of, of a community, and yet do not believe and do not have faith. I say do not stop praying for those you love, whether it's a friend or a family member or a child. Until the day you die, don't stop. I've talked to people who are old. They're at the end. They are at the end of their life, and they've said, why am I even here? You know, what, what's God's purpose for me? People who are in a very diminished state. 
And I just want to say, just keep loving the Lord and praying for your family and, and die well to the Lord that you will always be preaching God's kingdom through your life and even through your death, that, that we never stop praying that people might come to faith. And again, what, you know, if there was a formula, Jesus, tell us the formula because then we'll just do the thing and then everybody we do the thing to and with, it will make them love you like I do. And, we, and, and yet, God calls us to live in this mystery of faith. The mystery of suffering, the, the mystery of why people come to faith and not, or not. Um, and we say, with, with all these mysteries, Lord, I just need some certainty. And here in this text, we also have a, some certainty. And we see this in, in verse 25. And again, this is the, so the blind man is healed, and he's interacting with these religious leaders, and he says this, one thing I do know, I was blind, now I see. The no-name blind guy becomes bold, and he testifies, and we quote him. There's so many famous people in history who we know their names, and, and they, they've done historic famous things. We don't even know this guy's name, but yet we quote him all the time, every time we sing. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I am confident. I know what God has done in my life. I know that he has rescued me. He has shined light into my darkness, that he is recreating me, and that he is sending me to be his person. Now I want to share that. The one thing I know, I was blind, and now I see. That's why I can live with mystery in my faith, because I know that God does great things. Let us pray. Father, I pray right now for those in this room who have um, loved ones who, for whatever reason, Lord, they do not um, trust you or they have wandered from, from faith. Lord, we pray for the miracle of faith. We pray that you would bring sight where there is blindness that you would bring light where there is darkness, Lord. And we just continue to lift them to you and trust you. And you are a God who saves. And you, are, uh, you did come to this world to save. And so, Lord, we just continue to trust. We continue to pray. We continue to ask you to do miracles, Lord. And we pray for those who, uh, who are here, who are seeking your healing uh, power in their lives for illnesses of, of body or mind or of relationship, Lord, and that you would bring healing to those places, Lord. We don't always understand your way, Lord. We don't always understand your timing. We, you've, but you've called us to trust you, Lord. And we do because you are good and because you have proven who you are. And you've revealed yourself to us. So, Lord, help us to be people of faith. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.